Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the ETS show, hosted by myself, Tom Bailey, II's ETS editor. On today's show, we will look at the exchange-traded products that give investors exposure to commodities, be it oil, gold, agriculture, etc. Now, I say exchange-traded products and not ETFs, as not all funds tracking these commodities are technically ETFs, and this will be explained in today's show. So today I'm joined by Nitesh Shah, who is a Director of Commodity Research at WisdomTree in Europe. Thanks for joining us, Nitesh. So it's common for journalists or commentators to refer to all exchange-traded products as ETFs. However, this is not always strictly true, with commodity funds often being ETPs or ETCs. So Nitesh, can you walk us through these various acronyms and what the differences are in relation to commodity investing? Absolutely, yes. It can be very confusing, this acronym jungle that we have. So we like to think of all exchange-traded products as a, as a kind of the big umbrella term that includes exchange-traded funds, which are typically backed by equities or bonds as the underlying, exchange-traded commodities, where commodities are the underlying, but also exchange-traded currencies and other types of instruments. And broadly, all these things are uh, things that trade on uh, stock exchanges with a single underlying or a basket of underlying other financial instruments underneath. So the first ETFs appeared in the 1990s focusing on equities. Commodity ETPs and ETCs come later in the 2000s. So what's the history behind the idea of trying to create uh, commodity-focused exchange-traded products? Yeah, so the history of exchange-traded commodity products um, lies with WisdomTree, or the entity that WisdomTree bought in 2018 called ETF Securities. Uh, So back in 2003, Graham Tuckwell developed the world's first gold exchange-traded product, uh, originally in Australia, but then he bought it, the, the business over to London. It was revolutionary in terms of democratizing uh, gold investment, providing all the advantages of physically backed, over-the-counter gold exposure through like a convenient and liquid way of trading. Prior to the access through these gold exchange-traded products, gold was only traded with a relatively small community uh, that had access to the over-the-counter markets or the futures markets, uh, most retail type of investment, for example, would have to take place with very small quantities of gold, uh, which tended to trade with higher premiums. Uh, so the range of commodity exchange traded products has grown rapidly since then. So today, WisdomTree is the largest commodity exchange traded product provider in the world, with approximately 26 billion of assets in commodity and currency exchange traded products. Commodity ETPs, like all ETFs, follow an index. Everyone is familiar with the big equity indices like FTSE, S&P, and how they are constructed. However, what's not so clear to many investors is how indices of commodity exchange-traded products are typically constructed. Could you explain this, Natesh? A single commodity index, uh, but the underlying is just a single commodity, would typically track the front month price of a futures contract of the underlying commodity in combination with a collateral yield. So it's trying to just track the price of that and the collateral yield, the yield you would get if you'd park that money somewhere else, for example. Then you can get baskets of commodities uh, tracked by indices. They're a little bit more involved in in the sense that um, firstly, you have to decide on what commodities go in that basket. And then you have to think about what kind of weights to apply to those various commodities in that basket. Our preferred method of choosing commodities is really on the basis of their liquidity and their economic use. 
liquidity, mainly because you want uh, underlings that can trade very frequently. You don't have problems with pricing those uh, kinds of commodities. And economic use is fairly obvious. You want commodities in there that have uh, a representation of the real-world usage of those commodities. There's also considerations when constructing these indices about capping the size of certain commodities. For example, if you're just basing things on economic use, uh, things like oil would have a oversized representation in most commodity indices uh, just because it's a large industry. But that would dwarf out other things in the index. And if you want your, you know, your coffee or your sugar or your gold to have a little bit more uh, representation, then you may want to cap uh, things like uh, oil or the petroleum complex. So there's some of the considerations when uh, putting an index together. So Nitesh, you mentioned oil there. Oil ETPs use futures contracts to give exposure to, to the price of oil. This creates several complexities, including the risks associated with contango and backwardation. Could you explain what is meant by these two strange phrases and why investors should care? So that's a great question. So the industry jargon of contango and backwardation. It'd be very useful if I could have a visual in front of me, but I guess we're on audio. So if you were to think about a chart where you would plot on the bottom x-axis, the maturity of individual futures contracts, and those futures contracts can, depending on which commodity, can go out quite far, uh, all the way from, you know, one month of expiry to close to, you know, 10 or 20 years out in terms of expiry. And along the y-axis, the vertical axis, you plot the prices of those various contracts, you can get the shape of the futures curve. Now, if that shape of that futures curve is upward sloping, it's uh, called in contango. If the shape of that futures curve is sloping downwards, it's uh, called backwardation. Now, why do contango and backwardation matter? Well, uh, going back to the answer to the previous question, if you have an upward sloping curve, and typically you do have upward sloping curves in commodities because it reflects the fact that a future for delivery in a couple of months' time requires more storage, requires more insurance, uh, and therefore uh, incurs more cost. Typically, if you are invested out in, say, three months out into the curve, as time passes by, that position three months out in the curve is becoming two months out in the curve, and then it becomes one month out in the curve. So, uh, you know, with the passage of time. But what happens is all else being equal, if the price of something started off uh, further out in the curve was higher, as time passes by, it should converge to the price of what was originally the position one month out in the curve. So you're getting a roll drag as time passes by in a market of contango. In a market with backwardation, you've got the opposite going on. The price uh, of something three months out as it becomes two months out is actually increasing in price and you get a role enhancement. So that's why contango and backwardation are very important because it's not just the spot price you get on a commodity investment. You also have to incorporate what's going on on the roll side and the shape of contango and backwardation are important for that. So alongside oil, gold is an increasingly popular commodity to track. Some ETPs buy physical gold and some do not. Could you explain how this works? Absolutely. So you're right, gold is extremely popular exchange-traded product. It's gone from zero assets under management when we first created in 2003 uh, to close to more than $200 billion of assets under management globally across all products, uh, not just ours. But the vast majority of gold exchange-traded pro products 
are physically backed. And what that means is that there is gold sitting there in a vault with insurance and all the other costs associated with uh, storing gold backing that financial instrument. The alternative to doing that is doing something synthetic. And that's, you know, what we describe for most of the commodities uh, that is tracking the futures price of the underlying and engaging in a swap contract with a, a counterparty, typically a bank, uh, to provide the return on the price of the and, you know, the collateral uh, yield plus the roll yields that I mentioned earlier on of that underlying. But very little of gold investment actually sits in the more synthetic form, mainly because it's very attractive to keep it physically backed in, in the precious metals world. And that's because the cost of a storage and insurance is quite small relative uh, to the price of the underlying gold. That makes it very attractive to actually physically back it. And indeed, investors uh, tend to be attracted to physically back gold because gold is generally used as a defensive asset. It's often used as something that people put in their portfolios to mitigate worst case outcomes of uh, either economy or uh, geopolitical outcomes. And on that basis, they take comfort in having a physical backing. Is this because of kind of worries about, say, counterparty risk or, or is there anything else? Yes, one of the, the aspects is that uh, it really mitigates any counterparty risk. Having it physically backed in allocated format, especially where each bar is uh, designated to that exchange traded product, we would have on our website a bar list, which uh, is very transparent. Anyone can see what are the specific bars that back the, the product. Uh, that gives a lot of lot more comfort in terms of uh, counterparty risk. Whereas with synthetic products, there are uh, swaps that are with I mean, possibly an, a couple of uh, underlying banks, all of which have very strong credit ratings. But by having the physical, you're just that much more safe that uh, there is something backing it. So oil and gold are probably the two most popular commodities to to invest in using ETPs. Um, but what other niche commodities can now be tracked with with, with such products? There are a broad range of uh, commodities that we provide. And as I mentioned, we are the broadest provider of commodities products in, in, in the world, but they range from anything to nickel, for example, which is a, uh, a base metal, sugar, coffee, natural gas, other petroleum products like uh, heating oil or uh, gas oil. So there are many different other, other products that, uh, that, that can be tracked. Uh, the vast majority, as I mentioned, tend to be synthetically tracked. Precious metals range, so gold, silver, uh, platinum and palladium tend to have more of a following as a physically backed. And then there are other versions of these things. So we can provide a short or a leveraged exposure to the underlying as well. So if you want something that provides twice the daily returns on a certain commodity, uh, that can be done through certain uh, instruments. Or if you want the inverse price movement of the commodity on a daily basis, there's also instruments that can do that as well. Now, from an asset allocation perspective, what typically are investors hoping that these commodity ETPs will do for their portfolio? It's a great question. And each commodity is slightly different. And we've talked a bit about gold, but let me talk a little bit more about it. Uh, gold is one of the most unique asset classes. Um, it often acts as a defensive asset, counterbalancing negative trends when in, in cyclical markets like equities or base metals or oil. So when cyclical markets sell off, usually gold prices appreciate. So that's something quite attractive, but it's not just a doomsday type of asset. It does well in good times as well. For example, when you have elevated inflation, 
which typically occurs in times of economic strength, it also performs quite well. So this strange almost duality of its performance uh, makes it a sort of a perfect diversifier to a portfolio. Oil is a more cyclical asset, so it does well in terms of economic strength, but also there are considerations around what um, big oil players are doing. For example, you have the Organization for Petroleum Exporting Countries, OPEC. They have an influence on price depending on what supply strategies they put in. So that's something to consider in an oil market and how people's understanding of geopolitical risks or other risks that influence OPEC, as well as the supply-demand balances of, uh, of oil matter. But most commodities in general tend to, outside of the precious metals area, tend to be cyclical and tend to be very good inflation hedges. So including a commodity basket in, in a portfolio to hedge inflation risks uh, tends to be a strong strategy. But as I mentioned, the supply and demand of each individual commodity can be very different. They're quite idiosyncratic. So if when choosing individual commodities, it's worth looking into the individual fundamentals from, from that standpoint. But commodities as a whole act as a very strong diversifier to a portfolio. So what are the new emerging trends in commodity ETPs or ETFs? Going back to uh, some of the aspects I talked about earlier on in terms of contango and backwardation, uh, contango can act as a fairly big drag on a commodity market performance. If you're only investing in, say, front month or close to front month commodity futures. Uh, so some, some of the advancements that, that have taken place in recent years is uh, optimizing on uh, uh, contango and backwardation. The way to do that is if you've got a curve in contango, which is upward sloping, but it's not, it doesn't have the same gradient throughout the whole curve. Uh, sometimes the slope of the curve can be a bit more gentle on parts of the curve. So what to do in markets are in contango, you find the place with the lowest slope, but markets are in backwardation where you've got a, a roll gain or a roll enhancement, uh, you find the place that has the most negative slope. By positioning on commodities that have uh, these optimized slopes, uh, you can actually really beat the benchmark of a front month uh, uh, product. And in, and in cases, uh, you know, over the past decade or so, uh, in a front month tracking product, you could have almost negative annual gains. But in a product where you're doing this optimization, you convert that something negative into something positive, you know, to the order of around 4%. So it has a, sort of a powerful impact in terms of enhancing gains there. So investors are increasingly concerned about ESG. A lot of commodity ETFs track the price of physical products such as oil and gold, both of which have environmental impacts. So how should an ESG-minded investor approach commodity investing? That's a brilliant question. I think the first thing to do is to recognize that commodities are part of the solution to climate change as well as being part of the problem. So there is a big energy transition going on where demand is shifting away from fossil fuels and hydrocarbon energies to, you know, which have high greenhouse gas emissions to technologies that have much lower uh, greenhouse gas emissions. But the technologies that are driving this transition, things like electric vehicles, solar panels, pollution abatement equipment, all of these require commodities, but a different set of commodities to those that may have been consumed a decade ago. For example, in the case of electric vehicles, we believe that nickel and copper are going to be big winners within that because they're consumed in higher proportions than in internal combustion engine vehicles. Uh, in the case of solar panels, they use a lot of silver. 
in pollution abatement equipment, sort of filtration catalysts, platinum and palladium, for example, they're going to be highly utilized. So that's point number one in terms of the, the E part of the equation. In terms of uh, social and governance, the industry is evolving and evolving quite quickly. There are industry standards being set for responsible sourcing, things like metals. You mentioned gold earlier on. So the London Bullion Metals Association set about responsible standards back in uh, 2012 for gold. They set the similar standards for silver in uh, 2018. The London Platinum and Palladium Market Association has also set standards for uh, responsible sourcing in 2019. And the London Metals Exchange are putting forward proposals for responsible sourcing as we speak as well. So the, the, the market is evolving to, to look at this responsible sourcing. And what we mean by responsible sourcing is the refiners that produce the metal, they have to check where this metal came from. They don't only produce the metals from things that come from a mine, but they recycle metal as well. And they, it's their duty to look through the supply chain to see where that metal originally came from. So there is a lot of uh, improvements that I think are taking place. It, it is quite an exciting time to see these changes to take place in this industry. Thanks, Natasha. That's very interesting. Quite a complicated subject, but I think you explained it very well. And thanks for the listen, everyone. <laughs>